And welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I'll be your host. Today's show, we are talking about week 14 of the NFL season. As usual, guys, we're recapping this week. We're talking about all the games that have taken place here. And if you're looking at the podcast right now, currently you have the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles, which is going on. Before we jump into the content, I first and foremost want to thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to go ahead and thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have actually looked at the show from a week-to-week basis here to help us drive content to this thing. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. I do have some graphics up for you guys as we continue to talk about each and every game that has taken place in week 14. So let us go ahead and jump right into it, into the proceedings here as I throw up our first graphic of the day. And that is going to be the Carolina Panthers here versus the New Orleans Saints. Um, This game was a game that I thought was going to go the Saints way from the beginning. Uh, It was a terrible football game. If you have followed Carolina, Bryce Young has been pretty terrible this year. Um, That can be expected as a rookie quarterback, but he has already been sacked 40 times going into this. And if you're looking at the New Orleans Saints, it is not hard to see that they do not have an offense to speak of. And mainly they need to go get a quarterback in the worst way because Derek Carr has been far from a $150 million quarterback. And so they do get this win, this Carolina, or excuse me, not Carolina, but the Saints in this one. And it was by a slim margin. And I think that the Saints continue to keep rolling. They're obviously in this thing because they're in a division where essentially they're not out of it at six and seven. They're right there in the NFC South. They do put up 28 points. It was a sloppy 28 points at that. Derek Carr seen arguing with his offensive lineman after taking a big sack. He did have two touchdowns today, an INT. Really couldn't get Alvin Kamara going with the 56 yards on the ground. Jamal Williams at 43. Chris Olave, who I expected to have a great game, considering that they were playing with people that were just basically off the street because everybody was hurt, uh, only had 28 yards in this one. So I just think that the bottom line here is that the Saints were a better football team today. They won this game. And Carolina ultimately is a bad football team, and that's why they lost this game. So With that being said, uh, you know, that was that game for today. And now we move to the next game, which was the Thursday night opener, which was the New England Patriots versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And New England, welcome to the party. Uh, They get it done today. And how about Ezekiel Elliott? Welcome to the party as well. Given a chance to play a lead role because Ramondre Stevenson was out uh, due to a leg injury. He stepped up in a huge, huge way here for New England. And I mean, no, there's no way around it. New England needs a lot of help. And it starts with the quarterback play. I actually was talking to Devontae, the real Hogan about this uh, earlier this week. And we both agree that I think it's time for New England to go ahead and roll the dice on Malik Cunningham. I think that you're hearing reports about how good Malik Cunningham is. You've seen what he could do in the preseason. I think that he has a lot of kind of what Dorian Robinson has there for uh, the Cleveland Browns, what he's shown uh, in college and also with Cleveland. I think that Malik Cunningham could be that dynamic quarterback that needs to be given a chance. You know, ultimately speaking, I think that when Cam Newton was with New England, it was probably too late. 
Malik Cunningham might be right on time, but you have got to give him a chance. I will give uh, Bailey Zappi credit for having the confidence to come back to New England after being let go. If you look at some of the press clippings, he believed that at some point he could be the starting quarterback. And honestly speaking, I thought that he might have secured the job last year when Mac Jones was uh, really not that good. And so he had three touchdowns. He had an INT. More importantly, 115.2 rating. I mean, these type of ratings are, are quarterback ratings that New England is accustomed to seeing with Tom Brady there. Um, but Ezekiel, man, giving him his flowers, 68 yards on the ground. He also had 72 in the air. And to put a perspective on what Ezekiel Elliott did, he caught more balls than Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster. He also almost led the entire receiving core and he pretty much led the re or rushing or rushing attack, excuse me, as well. So New England doing a great job in getting Ezekiel Elliott the football. Um, however, I think it's a little bit too late here for New England, and I think that they really should step into Malik Cunningham. On the other side of the football, the problem with Pittsburgh is just it's the quarterback play, and it's also to the offensive line play. Once again, Najee Harris was pretty uh, terrible. 29 yards on 12 carries. This has kind of been the story with Najee Harris. He really hasn't found a whole bunch of running game uh, or running room, excuse me. And I think, you know, you can probably credit a little of that to the offensive line, but you've also too got to make plays as a running back. And I, I will give him the, the benefit of the doubt that they just have not had great quarterback play around him, much like in Alabama. And so, Teams have been able to kind of load up the box. Uh, George Pickens, who I think is definitely the number one wide receiver there, pretty much did uh, close to nothing as well. Five receptions, 19 yards. And it's just the defense is good enough for Pittsburgh, and that's kind of what kept them into it. Uh, but the offense is bad, and that's really been the story for Pittsburgh. Next up, uh, another team that got a critical W this weekend was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. And going into this, uh, there's been a debate of, you know, is uh, Baker Mayfield a starting quarterback in the NFL? And I think, again, I talked to the real Hogan about this as well. I think that you can argue that for sure he is a starter. And the question is, is he a starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And I think that right now after today's game, I think Baker Mayfield is probably putting enough tape together that he is arguing that he should be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season, um, or he should be a starting quarterback in this league in general. I mean, he's getting it done right now. He's helped Tampa Bay go ahead and push to the number one seed in this division today against um, an Atlanta Falcons team, which I will give them credit, has been very feisty. It was a tough win. It was a 29-25 uh, win. And I think with Atlanta, the one thing that really hurt them was the missed field goal opportunities. Um, when you look at the field goal kicker, he's one of the most accurate in NFL history. I don't know what happened today, but he was really off. Uh, Drake London had a special game for Atlanta. These are the kind of numbers that I think that Atlanta had envisioned with him coming out of USC. 
10 receptions, 172 yards. There was one brilliant play, I believe, in the third or fourth quarter where he jumps over uh, two defenders to hawk the ball out of the air. You see the real athleticism. Desmond Ritter throwing for almost 400 yards. Looked pretty good. He had a bad interception for the most part. And I know he's battling as well to try to keep his uh, job there as well. But, you know, I just think with Atlanta, they get, they've gotten away from Bajon Robinson. They've gotten away from what has really made them successful at the beginning of the year. And, you know, again, going back to their kicker, he was one of three today, 33%. That is very uncharacteristic. Like I said, he is one of the best kickers in NFL history. Baker Mayfield, uh, 144 yards, two touchdowns on 29 attempts. This reminds me of what he did when he was with the Cleveland Browns. Yes, he can go down the field. Yes, he can make dynamic plays, but I think he is better served kind of being a little bit, not necessarily a game manager, but just he's kind of right on the cusp of being like a, a kind of like in that Brett Favre and game manager, right? Like you don't want to have it to where he's too tight to where he can't go out there and make plays because you know he can do it, but you also want him to stay on schedule. I think that that's the big thing with Baker Mayfield. And I think the times that he struggled really in the NFL is when you place too much of a burden on him. And what do I mean by that? When he was with Cleveland, he had a terrific running game. What happened today? Rashad White, 25 carries, 102 yards, and even Chase Edmonds, who came over from Arizona, had 40 yards as well. This type of production is the production that Baker Mayfield needs to be successful. Why? The play fake opens up. He has a terrific arm. He can get it to you. You have got to run the football. So credit to Todd Bowles for somehow figuring it out. I don't know if it's just Atlanta's defense is that bad. I mean, I, I can... I don't know about that because Atlanta's defense has played good at times. Um, you know, they were not as good today. I didn't expect for them to give up so much on the run, but I think that that was critical for them today. And this was a big win for them because Mike Evans only had eight yards and one reception. And I know, um, you know, one of those was a tough play. Um, you're looking at the uh, Chris Godwin. I knew he was going to have a good game as well after, you know, talking about his usage rate and everything else. Had five receptions, 53 yards, 32 was his longest, so really stretched the defense here. So kudos to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for getting it done. Quadis is kept there first in the division. Next up, our next game here was the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. I talked about this last week with Detroit, and the one thing that I will say about Detroit is they're just they're not quite there yet. Okay, because I know this is the division game against the Bears, but this is a game that you have got to be able to win, right? These are games that the Philadelphia Eagles were able to get in their division. These are games that the Kansas City Chiefs are generally able to get into their division. And this is what the Detroit Lions want to do if they want to get into that elite conversation. You have got to be able to get tough games in your division. And the fact that they gave up 28 points to a a Chicago Bears team, which is really struggling to get points. I will give Chicago credit where credit is due. This is the first time that they've had a two-game winning streak since uh, week 14 um, and 16, or week, excuse me, week 16 and 17 of 2021. And they were able to get it done. And I will say this about Chicago. I think that now can we start to put it to rest with Justin Fields being replaced? He had 58 yards on the ground and a touchdown. 
He had 223 yards through the air. Yes, I know it wasn't efficient with the 19 of 33, but he didn't turn it over and he had a touchdown. And that's what you want from Justin Fields. When Justin Fields was at Ohio State, that's what he did. He did a little bit of everything a la what Josh Allen does. What was the key for him today? DJ Moore, a huge playmaker, which you knew was going to be set to benefit from Justin Fields coming back. He's a bona fide wide receiver one. He was able to go out and get his six receptions, 68 yards. He was averaging about 11 um, a, a touch. Also, too, Cole Komet, a guy that they've got out of Notre Dame, talented tight end. He was able to get it going. And that's what I'm talking about. You need to place playmakers around Justin Fields in order to really get a good assessment. And today, Chicago Bears and their skilled players were able to make plays for him. And Deontay Foreman, I love him a lot. He had 50 yards as well, so he's right up there with Justin Fields, but he runs hard. Uh, I would love to have him on my roster any day of the week. So kudos to the Chicago Bears for that. And then defensively, I have got to give Chicago credit. Look, the, Detroit was struggling for most of this game as I watched it. They could not get anything going. They were going for it on fourth down. Jared Goff continues to struggle outdoors, which is another thing that really scares me about the Detroit Lions because you have got to be able to win outside when it starts to get cold. And he was pretty uh, abysmal. Two, uh, two INTs today, uh, only 161 yards. Dave Montgomery ran the ball pretty well, and so did Jamar Gibbs. They split uh, both uh, 10 and 11 as far as the carries were concerned. Jamar Gibbs getting into the end zone. I did feel that um, that David Montgomery was going to have a good day. But from a wide receiving standpoint, none of the wide receivers were able to win against uh, Chicago's defense, which was that that's disappointing because I think that if you're going to get the Bears, it would be in their secondary. They've been reeling. They need some players over there. Josh Reynolds, only three receptions, 44 yards. Um, Amon Ray St. Brown only gave you 21 yards on three receptions. Um, uh, Laporta, uh, the tight end that showed up well last week for Detroit, only 23 yards. And so uh, very disappointing. Even Donovan Peoples-Jones, who came over in a trade quietly from Cleveland, only 17 yards. And so very disappointing with what Detroit was able to do. I know that they're still at the top of the division, but I think you've just got to be disappointed and you've got to be concerned because you have got to start winning games that you should win. And Detroit doesn't do that enough yet. And so they're just not quite there yet. Next up, the Indianapolis Colts versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that this was probably the upset of the day. Um, if you were to tell me that Cincinnati were going to beat the the uh, Indianapolis Colts, I would say that I'm going to take that bet and I'm going to go with the Colts. But as Chris Berman would say, this is why you play the game. The Cincinnati Bengals winning 34 to 14 in this one. And I think what was interesting to me about this is that Cincinnati was able to generate so many plays down the field. And with Jake Boeing taking over for Joe Burrow, that's one thing that they've struggled with. And that's one thing that the Bengals were having you know, trouble with was going down the field. And he was able to get it to T. Higgins. He had 72 yards today. Chase Brown, three receptions, 80 yards. Jamar Chase, only 29 yards. And Boyd, 23. But still, they were chunk plays. Okay, so when I'm looking at the averages, 
Chase Brown, 26.7 average. T. Higgins, 36 on this average. Joe Mixon had a 15 um, yards average. Tyler Boyd, 11.5 on his averages. So they were huge chunk plays that Cincinnati was able to get. And on top of that, Joe Mixon was able to give them a bit of balance. I think this was one of the best running games for Joe Mixon because he had 79 yards on 21 attempts. So it was really a balanced game. And Jake Boeing, 18 of 24, he was efficient. He did have one INT, but again, chunk plays, they were balanced offensively. I got to give Cincinnati their flowers. They did a great job today getting it done. Um, you know, long-term Cincinnati's probably still in trouble. They're seven and six. I don't really necessarily see them going anywhere. Indianapolis still very much in the hunt in the AFC South. Um, you know, I just think that with them, they really struggle as Gardner Minshew struggles. And I think when he starts to throw INTs, he has the happy feet, which he did have today. Then that's when you see the Indianapolis coach struggle, even though Michael Pittman had a really good day. And I'm, I'm glad to see Michael Pittman is starting to get it going because he was just absolutely uh, taking me down in fantasy football last year because he didn't have a quarterback to get it to him. But this year, uh, he's getting the ball and he's getting it often. He's really showing why he was an elite wide receiver coming out of USC. And I just think that the problem with the Indianapolis Colts today was they just couldn't run the football. Um, Zach Moss, who's been on a tear as of late, only 28 yards. Uh, Trey Sermon had 13 yards. Gardner Mershu, um, he only had five rushing yards. He usually gets a little bit more than that. Took a tough shot, too, as well. I uh, thought he was going to be knocked out due to the concussion protocol. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I just think that that's really what happened to the Colts today. Um, again, they're still in it with that division in the AFC South and in the AFC North. Things looking a little cloudy for Cincinnati as they are now seven and six as we move forward. Next up, the next game to talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cleveland Browns. As I was looking at this one, um, I was just thinking to myself that Trevor Lawrence did not look himself. I don't know if his ankle was hurting. I don't know if Cleveland's defense was that good, but he was absolutely rattled throughout the day. And I'm actually shocked that Jacksonville was able to put up 27 points because, like I said, this was probably one of the most horrific offensive performances that I looked at in all of Sunday's football. Seriously, because Trevor Lawrence, man, he was throwing the ball. It, it pretty much it looked like Cleveland might have been in the playbook. OK, the, the three interceptions that he threw were just absolutely atrocious okay they were terrible he was 28 of 50 257 I remember making a comment as I'm watching this football game I said I don't think Trevor Lawrence has looked this bad since his rookie year and he just looked off set the whole time uh, they couldn't get Travis Etienne going at all he only had 35 yards and even the touchdown that he did have it had to go under review it barely happened um, he, welcome to the party um, Evan Ingram the tight end, talented tight end that has really shown that he should have had the bag last year, did his thing, 11 receptions, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. But really the one thing that has scared me with Jacksonville has been the inconsistency. I thought that Calvin Ridley was going to come over and have a special year. And don't get me wrong, he is. And, you know, he only had 53 yards. I'm seeing a lot of those type of games for Calvin Ridley I, you know, I know Zay Jones and, you know, a couple of their wide receivers that were there last year have been hurt for the most part. 
And I just feel like, you know, the continuity has not been there. The chunk plays that should be there are not there as well. And I think that that kind of hurt them today, especially on a defense where they needed to make plays. Um, and looking at the other side of the football with Cleveland, how about Joe Flacco? Joe Cool getting it done. Um, got a touchdown over to David Noku, uh, the talented tight end. He had 91 yards and two touchdowns today. Amari Cooper, seven receptions for 77 yards. And quite as is kept, I mean, I think Joe Flacco has really fit in well with Cleveland because he's just that type of quarterback for them. Um, remember when he won with the Ravens, he played against a, with a strong defensive team and a team that could run the football. Cleveland can do both of those, okay? Even though they don't have – Nick Chubb back there. Kareem Hunt can still get it done. He only had 27 today, but he did have a touchdown. And Jerome Ford, a talented player that they have, has been able to get it done too as well. And Joe Flacco has got probably some of uh, you know his better receivers that he's played with. Um, not to take anything away from Anquan Bolden and those guys that he played with with the Ravens because they were special. But you know, Amari Cooper is as dynamic as they come. Uh, David Nunku is is a dynamic as they come as far as, you know, being able to make plays in the passing game. And he does have Elijah Moore over there from the Jets, who I thought was going to see a little bit more time. I think that uh, Cleveland traded Donovan Peoples-Jones because they wanted to see Elijah Moore on the field a little bit more. I know he had a horrific drop that should have been caught. Um, but, you know, he did have 42 yards, and I think that they're looking to expand the playbook a little bit more. So I like where Cleveland is at right now with Flacco. He did have a 92.5 I think five rating. And, you know, Quadis has kept Cleveland is 8-5. and five. They're second in the AFC North. They're right there with the Ravens. And, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I maybe Cleveland it's, – it's Cleveland's time because I just feel like there's too much inconsistency with the Ravens, which I'm going to talk about. But I, I think this is something that really we need to start to think about. Like Cleveland might be serious this year. Um, next up, we have the Houston Texans and the New York Jets. Much was made about uh, Zach Wilson here, the quarterback for the New York Jets. And it was a question of would he play football for the Jets again? There was reports saying that he was reluctant to start um, wanting to not be injured, wanting to go ahead and start to look at the trade market, hopefully in the offseason. Um, you've seen what Aaron Rodgers had to say about it. He thinks that it's somebody within the organization that's spreading some lies, um, you know, to say that, you know, essentially that he quit on the team. Uh, you know, so it's whatever story or report that you want to believe here. Uh, either way, he started today. And not only did he start, I mean, I don't know if it could have went any well for Zach Wilson. I had just had a discussion uh, again, you know, about Zach Wilson earlier this week. And I was like, you know, he's just he's not necessarily a starting NFL quarterback, in my opinion. But all he did today was come out, throw for 301 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs, 117.9 yards. And it's like, man. He only missed on 11 passes. And I'm saying to myself, like, man, if you can only get this Zach Wilson every time out, we wouldn't even be having these discussions. And Aaron Rodgers probably wouldn't even be playing football over there. But the question or the problem is with Zach Wilson, you don't get that every game. And you can't just say that it was luck because the Texans have been lighting people up. And so – you knew you had to score points to win the game. 
And you knew that the Jets defense is honestly good. But man, the fact that the Jets put up 30 points like this, like they haven't been able to put up points like this in quite some time. And look, Brees Hall, a guy who I was like, he's not going to have any fantasy relevancy. Eight receptions, 86 yards, and a touchdown for him. Garrett Wilson, nine receptions, 108 yards. Uh, Tyler Coughlin going down the field here, 57 yards as well. The fact that he was able to take the football down the field, and I'm not talking about just dinking and dumping. Like, these guys were having averages of 10, 14, 12, 12. Like, he was going down the field all afternoon. And it ain't like the Texans' defense is terrible. And so, look. The Jets give them credit, give Zach Wilson credit. They played physical. They knocked C.J. Stroud out the game. It's his worst game as a professional. They they held Damian Pierce to nine yards. Um, you know, they had no offensive firepower as far as the wide receiver play. They knocked Nico Collins out of the game. Like, man, the physicality was there. And this is the type of Jets team that it's like, man, if they had this throughout the year, this is why I had the Jets going super far. But unfortunately, at five and eight, third in the AFC East, I don't think that there's enough time for them to come back at this point. But, man, I, I will give credit to Zach Wilson. He looked good. A tough game for Houston. I know it puts a little damper on their playoff spirits, but they're seven and six. They're right there. I can't imagine Houston playing this poorly. And I think that C.J. Stroud probably was in a situation where he's trying to make plays. He held on to the football a little bit too long. That led to some tee-off situations that happened to him. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that's been durable. I just think that, you know, this is a one-off game for the Texans and that, you know, they'll be back. They'll be back, ultimately speaking. Next up, guys, uh, the next game to talk about is a wild one, and that's the Los Angeles Rams versus the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and this is what I'm talking about with consistency. And, you know, it, I had a thought. I'm looking at fantasy football, and I was picking uh, my quarterback for the day, and I saw that Lamar Jackson was up there for about $35, um, one of the top quarterbacks in Yahoo Sports Fantasy Football, if you're playing daily, daily fantasy for the day. And I just had a thought to myself. I was like, you know what? I just don't trust it. I just don't trust it because it's something about the Ravens offense that has just been inconsistent. I know that they have Zay Flowers over there. I know that they have Odell Beckham over there. But the problem that I have with Baltimore is they should be a lot more elite in the passing game and they should be able to run the football a lot better than what they have done. And defensively, the fact that they gave up so many points to the Rams, uh, you know, they luckily get out of this one 37 to 31. They win. They get to their 10th win first in the AFC North. Um, the Rams holding tough in the NFC West at six and seven, surprisingly, their second in that division. But this came down to a punt return. And and it also came down to the fact that Lamar Jackson had to go down the field and get a late score to Zay Flowers and get a two-point version to, to Zay Flowers in order to keep the Ravens alive. And look, the defense gave up 114 yards to Karon Williams, who I'm I'm like really all in on this guy. I think that he's probably the best running back that they've had since Todd Gurley has been there. Certainly you understand why they moved on from Cam Akers now because this guy can really play. Um, it, Cooper Cobb, 115 yards. A big chunk of that really came um, going into the fourth quarter when he 
pulled down a monster catch, which set up a, a game time field goal. Um, Nagoku played very well as well. 84 yards, five receptions, very physical guy. Like they pretty much were able to get what they wanted. Davis Allen, the young rookie tight end, was able to get things done. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, yes, Odell had a big play and he had 97 yards receiving. Isaiah Likely had a big one, 83 yards and a touchdown for him. Zay Flowers, a touchdown for him. Um, and yeah, just in the rain, like I expected the Ravens to take care of business like this. And yes, Lamar had a good one, uh, but I just think that it's too up and down, too inconsistent. I don't like the fact that he's always pretty much scrambling and running because, you know, either the offensive line is breaking down or guys aren't getting open. I'm not sure what it is, but I've seen a lot of, you know, his game tape right now where he seems to be trying to buy more time. It's just not there. I don't necessarily see him come back and just get clean drop offs. And so I don't know if it's because Mark Andrews is not there. I don't know if it's because the offensive line. I've got to look at it a little bit more, but that scares me about Baltimore and the slow starts too as well. You know, I think that there were so many times that I think Baltimore probably could have put the hammer down on the Rams and they just weren't able to. Defensively, I'll give the Ravens a little bit of, uh, of the benefit of the doubt. It was a slick field out there and the Rams are talented as far as going down the field, but much like the Chargers game, man, I, I thought that they should have made more plays. I thought that they should have taken the Rams a lot more out of situations to score. So a little disappointed with the Ravens. They do get the win. Um, I will give them credit where credit is due. And I'll give the Rams credit, too, for hanging in there. Next up, you had the Minnesota Vikings and you had the Las Vegas Raiders. The story of the game was that Justin Jefferson was going to be coming back for the first time after missing extensive time uh, with a hamstring injury. And if you've been following Justin Jefferson, he generally does not miss games. And he got knocked out due to a chest injury. And so he's out of the game. You had Joshua Dobbs come in and start. There was much to be made about him starting. He was kind of ineffective for the most part. Then Nick Mullins had to come in and get something done here. So he was nine of 13. You didn't have really a solid day on the ground. Alexander Madison, 66 yards. TJ Hawkerson, 53 yards. Justin Jefferson, only two receptions for 27 yards. I mentioned he had got injured, but this game ends three to nothing. I, I mean, incredible three to nothing. I thought if anything, these, this game was going to be, the game where it was going to be points scored and everything else, but man, three to nothing. Minnesota, I mean, they're able to stay alive, seven to six in the NFC North. Ugly game as far as getting the offense going, but they were able to get it going. Las Vegas takes another loss. They're five and eight pretty much out of it. The Vikings still very much in this thing. Uh, Got to figure out what they're going to do from a quarterback standpoint. Haven't been able to figure it out since Kirk Cousins went down. Seattle versus the 49ers. Um, this, I knew Seattle was in trouble from the opening drive. When you see, when you see McCaffrey run the football for about a 70-yard game, get tackled at the one, and then San Francisco score the next play, you knew that Seattle was going to be in for some trouble. And then on top of that, they didn't have Geno Smith in this one. He got a late groin injury, I believe, in practice. Um, so I think that perhaps 
with Geno Smith out there, you probably would have had a little bit more of a chance, I think, Seattle. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, today this was all San Francisco, 28 to 16. Um, you know, I just think that Purdy was able to do what he needed to do. He was not pressured as much today. Uh, he was able to be a, an ultimate game manager. He did throw one pick. Um, but, again, I, I mean, for the most part, he was comfortable. You had Christian McCaffrey go for 145 yards, a guy that I went with. And how about Debo Samuels? Not only did he have a touchdown in the air, but he also had a touchdown uh, running the football, too, as well. 149 yards in the air. He also had a one-yard um, dive in there to go in. And then how about Brandon Ayuk? 126 yards on six receptions. Much was made about him and his disappointing sophomore year. I love Brandon Ayuk. I loved him coming out of uh, Arizona. And I think that this guy is really ready for some stardom. I think he's like one of their most um, consistent receiving threats that they've had probably since like Terrell Owens has been over there. And I love the fact that he's developed now as more than just a deep route runner. I think once they start to really utilize this guy over the field and stuff like that, a lot like what they do with Debo Samuel, I think you're really going to start to see this guy take off. Drew Locke, two INTs, two touchdowns, struggled there. Kenneth Walker coming back from the injury, only 21 yards. Zach Chardonnay, 44 yards. Tyler Lockett, 89 yards. DK Metcalf, 52 yards. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just not enough over there for Seattle. I think that they probably would have been able to make some more plays had they had Geno out there. They're still right there. They're six and seven, third in the NFC West. They're right there in the hunt, um, you know, as far as getting a possible wild card. But as far as winning the division, I think San Francisco has got their fingerprints all over this one. Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers and Look, the Chargers have been abysmal as of late. You know, I think that a lot of the games that they should be winning, they're not winning. The fact that they let Denver come in and just pretty much manhandle them today, I think this all but ends the Chargers. And I think that they have now got to look to move on from Coach Staley. Uh, hello, Eric Bieniemy. Okay, you have an elite quarterback in his prime. You need somebody that's going to utilize that talent. What better person to go over there that has actually been in that division than Eric Bieniemy? He's got a terrific running back in Austin Eckler. If Washington's not going to give this guy a shot, I feel like the Chargers should. Austin Eckler, 51 yards. He did have a touchdown here. Quentin Johnson, the talented rookie wide receiver, has his first monster game of 91 yards, but only three receptions on four targets. Keenan Allen, a bit of a pedestrian-like day, six receptions, 68 yards. And just really, Justin Herbert was unaffected, really couldn't get anything going, only had 96 yards. He had an INT, just nothing, nothing. And on the other side of this thing, Russell Wilson looking a lot like he did in Seattle, going and taking the football deep down the field. I think Sean Payton has discovered what it is going to take to now start to open up the playbook. Javante Williams, 17 rushes, 66 yards, and a touchdown for him. Cortland Sutton, 62 yards. Um, I know that Jerry Judy had a big drop in this one, but the fact that they're opening up the playbook, they're letting uh, Russ go down the field, 
Denver's doing well. They're seven and six. This is the best that they have looked. Um, and then also, too, you know, with Justin Herbert uh, being knocked out of the game as well, it's tough, too, as well. So I just think that the Chargers are going to have to make some adjustments as far as the head coach is concerned. And just, yeah, the Chargers are a bad football team. Next up, you have the Buffalo Bills and you have the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, I, the Buffalo wins this game 20 to 17 and Kansas City loses this when they actually probably really won it. And what do I mean by that? If you watch this football game, it came down to a fourth quarter drive with minutes left in the game and Patrick Mahomes hit Travis Kelsey. He threw a, a, a flea flicker back to um, Tony, who runs in for a touchdown. And it gets called back because um, you had Tony, the wide receiver there, lines up in a neutral zone, and he's deemed offsides. And... Kansas City is unable to get a first down. They're unable to go and get that field goal. Buffalo gets the ball back, runs out the clock. The irony of that is that I think that Kansas City, in a lot of ways, they're not getting beat by teams. They're beating themselves. And I don't want to hear the fact that people are trying to make this a theme of Mahomes is alone. I don't think that that's the case. Because Mahomes won with this same group last year, okay? And they didn't have Tariq Hill. The biggest difference with Kansas City is they do not have Eric Miedemi. Now, for the people out there who are saying Andy Reid is a terrific offensive mind, he is. But guess what? Andy Reid has gotten teams to the Super Bowl, a la Philadelphia. He's gotten Donovan McNabb, Terrell Owens. All those guys, Freddie Mitchell, all he got those guys to the Super Bowl, but they were not able to go ahead and kick in the door. Only once he paired with Eric Bieniemy did those guys start to really get it done. Now, I'm not saying that again, Andy Reid, I love him. I think he's a great offensive mind. They still are rolling, but they don't have that it factor. And I think that's an Eric Bieniemy issue. I think it's something about this crew that they have just not been disciplined. You're seeing plays where you're having guys drop footballs in critical moments. You're having mental mistakes like this one. Um, you're having like a lot of balls that are in guys' hands and being tipped off into, you know, an INT. And I think that that's really been the main issue for Kansas City. And this is why I'm saying that, you know, Kansas City has really got to figure something out. And it just it starts mentally. I don't think it has anything to do with the players. You know, they've got to get that narrative out of their head that they need more because they do not need more. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, the issue has been they have been beating themselves. And, you know, for Buffalo, yeah, they exercise demons here and get the win. They keep their playoff hopes alive. I'm not sold on Buffalo, though. Buffalo should be a lot better than what they have been. They have lost the teams that they shouldn't have lost to. That goes into more of a mental aspect as well. Even today, I wasn't sold on the fact that Josh Allen had 233 yards and a touchdown in this one. They still weren't able to get Diggs the football. He only had 24 yards, and he's the best wide receiver there. Dawson Knox did come back and have 36 
You had James Cook leading you in the receiving, and I just don't like the inconsistency here. So if there's one thing that you're going to get out of my show today, and that is that there is so much inconsistency going on in the AFC, and this is the most inconsistent that I have seen, I really think that we are set to see somebody different in the AFC championship game. You know, out of the teams that are the most consistent right now, you could probably say it's going to be Miami, even though Miami doesn't beat teams that they should beat. And I'm really worried still about Tua's health um, and about him being able to not turn over the football, you know, and they're going to have to more than likely probably go on the road. Um, but they're, they're probably the most consistent, I would say, in the AFC. You know, next up would probably be, I, I would say, Kansas City, you know, for the most part, because defensively, their defense has been really, really good, and it's actually kept them in some games. And you know that if Patrick Mahomes can get it dialed in with his receivers, they're going to be dangerous. Um, you know, with Buffalo and the Ravens, they're just – it's a toss-up from week to week what's going to happen there. And Cincinnati is probably out of it. Not probably. They are out of it because they no longer have Joe Burrow. And then with Jacksonville, you could put them in the same category – just the up and down play. And so, you know, that's really my thoughts here going into the AFC. And that's really my thoughts going into this game. I'm not necessarily shocked um, that Buffalo won this game, but I just think that you're starting to see a little bit of the inconsistencies that are out there in the AFC. And so with that being said, guys, um, you know, the last game that is going on right now is the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, I, I, I predicted that the Philadelphia Eagles would win this division. Right now, it is 10-3 to 3 with the Dallas Cowboys in the red zone. Looks like they're about to kick another field goal um, with 540 in the second quarter. And so I just think that Dallas, they rely a lot on Dak Prescott, and I don't like that. Um, I think every time that they've lost in the playoffs, they weren't able to run the football. And just historically dating back to when Dallas has been really good and won Super Bowls, they've had a balanced attack. When they had Troy Aikman, they had Emmitt Smith, they were able to do both. Dallas at one point was able to do that with Ezekiel Elliott when he first got there and Dak Prescott. But the issue is that they folded in the playoffs. The games that they should win in the playoffs, they lose. And so I'm more of a show me kind of guy with Dallas. I've really got to see it when it comes down to it. Yes, I'll give it to C.D. Lamb. He's played incredible. He's having an MVP-like performance there. Yes, Dak Prescott's having an MVP-type performances. But I just don't believe in them when it comes to the playoffs. And Philadelphia, they can be down in football games, but they have shown and they have been proven to be able to win football games from behind. They can win football games in the front. And yes, I know defensively they've struggled a little bit. They've given up chunk plays and things like that. But I expect for them to slow the game down when it comes down to the playoffs. They just got Dallas Goddard back as well at the tight end position, which is going to be an added dimension for Jalen Hurd. So even if his leg uh, or knee contusion, it's still bothersome. He still has enough weapons that he can beat you. And he has enough weapons that they can spread it out and basically allow him to really – open up running lanes so he can get easier runs. So I like Philadelphia in this one, even though they're down, I expect for them to really turn it on going into the second half. Um, I like Philly in this one, 
I'm going to say it's going to be a 21 to 20 game. I think that that's what is going to happen here in this one. So with that being said, guys, that is today's show. Um, I want to go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to go ahead and thank the sponsors out there for putting sponsorship on the show. Um, I want to go ahead and thank, you know, the fans again for just, like I said, listening to us, really driving stories and contents to the show. Make sure you check in throughout the week as we do put up some short content. Um, if you're following on YouTube, you can follow us at Real Talk Sports with Rico on that platform as well. And so for myself, this is Rico. This is Real Talk Sports, guys. I will see you guys on the next one. I'm out.